Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into the latest Mountain West Connection football podcast. We have to distinguish now that we do both sports football and basketball. Welcome in, mwcconnection.com. That's our website. You can find us. Twitter, MWC Connection. We're getting getting close to 3,000 likes, uh, Matt. We're getting pretty close. Yeah, more every day, and we appreciate every single one. We do, and I apologize for my gum chewing from my last video. I didn't realize until halfway through, so <laughs> that was the case today when I did a quick one on Nevada. Foot, basketball, but this is football, no basketball. So it's the off season. so... We got World Baseball Classic going on. We got the Wyoming one, their CBI. They keep going on. That's good for them. Congrats. But football, we're going to do. You got spring stuff going on. We're not going to talk about any of that. Is that okay for you, Matt, to not talk about any spring football? Uh, maybe not yet. We'll we'll get to that. Maybe once more of the games are in the books, we can kind of look back at what we what we've seen. Spoiler: If you didn't see Aztec spring game, defense heavy. <laughs> yeah. Not that that would surprise anybody. But to start the show, as we as we have in the past couple weeks, we're going to talk about food because that's what we do. Instead of waiting until the end, so if you are at the point where I want football talk, I want to hear about – because our main topic, uh, as we were going to do last week, if you missed our streaming show, go listen to that because that was pretty fun for an hour to talk about how the Mountain West could eventually stream some games. But this week with the Aztecs um, having getting the assistance of Ryan Lindley, former QB, NFL QB, back in town to uh, hang out and practice, we're going to talk about that for every team because why not? So you can fast forward maybe ten minutes, but we're gonna talk bacon and tacos. Yes. So how did the, how did you find out about this? Because I believe the taco portion comes from. I should probably know this a little bit because it's the was it the single A affiliate for the Houston Astros there in Fresno? Is that correct? Actually, the the Fresno Grizzlies, which you know every Tuesday for the past couple of years has been known as the Fresno Tacos. Um. That's what you know. Fresno is known for primarily is the variety of high quality tacos around here. So, for as long as I can remember, probably for as long as they've been the tacos, they've had kind of a Twitter beef with the AAA affiliate of the Philadelphia Phillies out in Lehigh Valley, um, because you know the tacos are kind of the originator of having the alternate, you know, team uniforms and stuff like that that were based around some kind of food. And so, you know, Lehigh Valley, they're known normally as the Iron Pigs. And when they were doing their thing, like they went to kind of take pride in um, bacon, which kind of makes sense when you consider Iron Pigs and stuff. That's a great name. That's a great name. And so, like, you could go to, like, minorleaguebaseball.com's website and order uh, a New Era cap, which admittedly looks very nice because all it has is a strip of bacon on it. Like, that's their alternate hat from a couple of years ago or from last year. But admittedly, I'm biased for my hometown. And I own multiple tacos hats myself, multiple tacos, jerseys, and stuff like that. But they've had this feud going on for a while. And a couple of days ago, actually, it was on last Tuesday, um, which would have been the 21st, if you're listening to a little bit later. 
basically Fresno threw down the gauntlet. So now they're doing this thing where it's basically bacon versus tacos. And well, hold on, one question real quick. Do these teams actually play each other? No, not unless they <laughs> both get into the AAA championship. That's what's even better about this. It's, it is hilarious, right? So basically what people do is whether you're on hashtag Team Tacos, which you should be, or whether you're on hashtag Team Bacon, like they set up a website, people go and vote for whichever one they like more, and whoever wins that vote, which I believe goes on until the 27th of May or something like that, it goes on for quite a while. Is the website again? What was it? It is BaconVSTacos.com, Bacon versus Tacos. And whoever whoever wins, the loser has to wear the team's hat. I believe it's on like the first week of June. So for me, it's not simply like a matter of kind of regional food pride. It's a matter of civic pride. And so, you know, even if you're not a Bulldogs fan by any stretch, if you're a fan of tacos, I'm talking to you, everybody down there in San Diego, up there in San Jose, stuff like that. All across the West, just stand stand with your with your community and vote for Team Tacos. That's all I'm going to say about that. I am looking at the website now. This this is what minor league baseball is all about. It's the best things ever that they do. Yes, they um. So I'm looking at the Twitter because if you go to the website, there's a Twitter feed on each. You can choose your team, all that sorts of. So it's a pretty good idea for both these teams. So I'm wondering how it kind of came about. I guess, but if you look at the Team Bacon side under Twitter, you got some fun stuff. There's a Twitter handle, Taco Jesus. That yeah. has to be must follow, right? I gotta see what they're about. <laughs> oh, yeah, apparently it's a, a brand it was, of hot sauce. Yeah, I was gonna say it was like they had a picture of a bottle of hot sauce at like Citizens Bank Park or something like that. Right now, if it's any good, if you um, retweet with Team Tacos and buy sauce using the code Team Tacos, you can get twenty five percent off. Brilliant to get involved with this. They're kind of hijacking to get a um, good get some promotion out of this a little bit. Yes. So but, you stand on. We've had the debate on ham on this show, and people know where I stand on ham. It's yes. disgusting. What are, what's your thought on on ham? Well, we already know that I'm pro ham. Oh, I thought so. We probably discussed it, but I just I'll eat. I said enough. I'll eat it. Not a huge fan. I it's it it is what it is. Maybe I, like I said, maybe I never had it the best way. It's it's good enough. I would say it's okay. But if I had a preference between, here's the thing with these two things: bacon and tacos. Bacon, yes. Do you ever um, have you ever listened to Jim, any of Jim Gaffigan's specials or anything? Uh, he talks about bacon a lot. Uh, I think I may have watched a special of his one time. So I'm not, but I'm not totally familiar with it. Uh, now. He's a pretty funny guy, and I, whatever, I like him. So I've seen him a lot. There's a few things about bacon. It's a little bit on bacon. It's like, oh, it's applauding because it sizzles when you cook it. Because it's oh, bacon, the sizzle when you cook it. But then he's like, I'll have that water chestnut if it's wrapped in bacon. Bacon is an add-on. Bacon is not its own food group, as I say. So tacos, you, you can do anything with tacos. Well, see, here's here's the way that I see it, and I've seen other people make this argument. Would you rather have a strip of bacon, or a couple strips of bacon, which is which is all well and good? Yeah, very good. Or, I'll say. I'll say very good. Or would you rather have a taco loaded with carnitas? Yes, carnitas, guacamole, fish taco. Come on. Exactly. A soft, I, I'm okay with. I don't like corn tortillas very much, but a, a, a good uh, shrimp taco with a good get some good sauce. It's here's the thing. 
I can have a taco with bacon inside. Give me some bacon toppings inside of a certain taco. I can do that. That's good. I don't need bake, steak wrapped in bacon. Um, bacon bits on a, on a potato. There's, it's, you're right. Bacon, you can... It's an add-on. It's not its own food. But unless you're having... Even if it is, it's like you're having eggs with a side of bacon. I'm not having a salad with a side of tacos there, buddy. Mm-hmm. Tacos is the main deal. Yeah, I mean, because you, you could do something like a you know bacon wrapped corn dog or something like that, or bacon wrapped hot dog. Those are fine, right? Yeah. But you know, a taco in and of itself is so close to perfection as is. So, what's your favorite type of taco? Do you go soft? Here's the thing. Um, I'll admit I do eat Taco Bell sometimes, so you can yell at me if you want. Well, you and me both, so okay, I'm not. Good. I'm not going to judge. Okay. Let me ask you this: Did you try the naked chalupa? I did not get a chance before they shut it down. Let me tell you, it was amazing. I'm like, I gotta try it because you know people make fun of the double down from KFC, the two pieces of yeah. chicken as the bread. I get the point. They're like the same thing with this. This is basically the chicken shell, obviously, with just um, the lettuce, tomato, and their sauce inside. I was very surprised. I'm like, I gotta try it. So if it comes back, very, very good. So you can do that with a taco. You can make a chicken taco. <laughs> but yeah. like, so like, what's your favorite type of taco? Honestly, I am a huge fan of like carne asada, carnitas. It's kind of like asking me what my favorite kind of pie is. It's really impossible for me to choose. <laughs> it's, I would go like, I don't have tacos all the time. I'm more of a burrito guy, like I've said before. I like breakfast burritos, like my favorite thing in the world to eat if I could make it. Yeah. But tacos, like good carnitas, um, get a certain type of green stuff. Not necessarily like there's all sorts of type of guac, but if you get, actually, I'd say my favorite taco is, uh, fish a fish taco there's a place yes it's in utah they actually make um, good shrimp tacos if you get a good shrimp taco those are really good i've been to um where was that one time um i was out in san francisco for whatever amazing there's by the what pier 49 over there over that type of part of town mm-hmm. in downtown i was like where am i gonna go for food i'm like my kids are with me they went to the freaking subway i'm like i'm not going to subway in and out i'm not going there i go there now <laughs> yeah so I'm like, I can walk around and see. We we're playing time. So I pull up Yelp, like, what's nearby? It's a small little shack. Had just shrimp tacos. or I forget what the sauce. It was just a typical sauce you get on there for the most part. There's always variations. But then I got fries with the same sauce on there. Oh, my goodness. It's, like, very, so good. But that's probably my favorite taco, like a shrimp, a shrimp or fish taco. And you know what? I would not blame you for that. Like, I... I could probably we could probably spend an entire podcast just on tacos because around here especially like we are like super spoiled here in the Central Valley. It's I mean it's not going to be until after this particular contest of wills ends, but like if you out there as listeners ever come to Fresno, if you're going to be in town around August, try to come by, make time to go to the Taco Truck Throwdown, which this year is two days back-to-back nights it's basically 40 different food trucks i think is what they're planning on having in and around the stadium downtown and you can just go around and eat as many tacos as you want i highly recommend it oh, man. i if i didn't know it was this big for tacos i a couple years ago i would did a pretty big trip for my family went to san, same time in san francisco went to disneyland and went to vegas for the mountain west tournament and stuff i just made a stop in uh fresno so like in your town like in your area central valley is it I assume it's more, not chain stuff, more like individual-owned restaurants that serve tacos and the trucks as well. Is that accurate? I think that that would be fair to say, yeah. Like, they're actually, um, I don't know if you know Alton Brown from the Food Network. Mm -hmm. 
I he was in town for like some kind of show last night, I think. And he went to this kind of hole in the wall place that coincidentally has been the back to back taco truck door on champion, a place called El Premio Mayor. And he gave a thumbs up. The Food Network has given it a thumbs up as far as like best tacos in California. And that's just one example. Like you can go to any number need, of places and find really good tacos around here. I have family in San Francisco, or my wife does, and we've been a couple of times. I need to make the drive down to Fresno to get some stuff like that because I, I, it's weird when I get stuff like that. I usually get like chicken fajitas or whatever, but for taco, it seems like chicken's like the bottom of the not not that it's bad, but it's at the bottom. You got to go with car, carnitas is the best way. Shredded lettuce on there a little bit, diced tomatoes and some guac, and maybe as a dash or two of some sort of hot sauce seems like the best way. Do you put cheese on tacos? Because I don't think that's necessary at times. It depends on the kind of taco. Most of the time, especially <laughs> around here, it's not necessary. I think it's like it's sometimes it's a waste because it's melted. It's not. It's because if it's too cold, it's not good. Because like when I get like in Utah, you'd be surprised. A lot of people from Mexico, Hispanic heritage, a lot of smaller, like a joke. I think I joked last time, Alberto's, Roberto's, all those restaurants around. Yeah. If I get a breakfast burrito, they load it with cheese like it's huge it's like as big as your arm almost it's just just a big fat burrito if they don't do it right to cheese it's cold i'm like oh man so what i do like i try I either i just kind of let it sit for a while because the egg potato hot to or put it wrap it back up real quick so it'll melt the cheese to taste better because if you don't do cheese right it can mess up the thing mess up mm-hmm. the taco or burrito or whatever so and as of now sad to say bacon is winning there's a long way to go even if, you know what even if you're on twitter or Facebook, and you're not talking about anything that has to do with bacon or tacos, just add the hashtag Team Tacos for me. Does that count? Yeah. Every hashtag counts. So even if you're like, you know, out there in, you know, Logan or whatever, you know, complaining about spring practice or something like that, maybe you're seeing something that you're not liking, just just add hashtag Team Tacos to the end. It all counts the same. I may have buy me a Fresno t- Tacos cap. It looks like you green, 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 several green and yellow. Yeah. Well, I like the black. The black one's pretty nice because the green is not that it's obnoxious. Obnoxious. It's a bit loud for my taste. Yeah. The black one's pretty good. I agree. I don't know. I gotta go downtown one of these days and get the new fighting taco hat. That's where that's where I'm at these days. No, I should buy the taco truck at every corner hat. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what? I actually do have one of those. That it's that said sentiment during the election. Like, I would love that. That would be the best thing ever. Taco truck on every corner. What's wrong with that, right? There's absolutely no, nothing wrong with that. That would be that's the America I want to live in. So, really quick, people might get mad at me. I'm sort of trying to lose some weight. If you haven't I'm getting a little skinnier, so I made tacos with the uh, cauliflower tortillas. That's acceptable. I know that. Hope so. I need to make it again. It wasn't great. And they, did, they kind of crumble. I didn't make it well. But if you make it, there's a recipe because you put cilantro in there, which is a great. Okay. I would say this. The, my most favorite topping of anything for Mexican, like a salad, a taco. I guess those are two best things to put on is cilantro. It's like my favorite topping. That is, Just the cilantro makes anything amazing. That's the correct answer. Yes. We're on the same page. But we made cauliflower. I put in um, just a little bit of cilantro. They kind of broke. But... If you haven't tried it, give it a try. It's actually, if you cook them right, it, just because it's kind of brittle a little bit, we made them too thin, but go with that. I just, they're amazing. So I made some tacos with that. It kind of fell apart. May try again. 
I just had some steak in that. Oh, so good. Give that a try if you get a chance. Hey, I can you make can you do, can you make do that with bacon? I don't think so. No, you can't. <laughs> I would like to see somebody. I would may try. A, somebody can make a form fitting, which has probably been done. A uh, bacon, a taco shot of bacon. Now that would be something. I'm sure that's already been but, done somewhere. But that's probably overpowering. I think probably. All right. Let's see. We get the football talk. Is that enough bacon? Yeah. Let's do that. I'm getting hungry now. It's, it's late. And I'm hung- I can't be hungry. <laughs> I may make a chocolate smoothie later. That'll curb it'll help me be better. But okay, here's what we're talking about for football. We didn't get to it last week because we went streaming Bonanza, so we will just kind of move on and uh, go to this portion of the program. Alumni returning to school. It's the off season. Hopefully, you listen to this whenever you want um, in January and March next year. But San Diego State is low in quarterbacks. Yes. You had injuries to Christian Chapman, did barely participate, excuse me, hardly participated in practice with a thumb injury from the Vegas Bowl, did some throwing. Great. Ryan Agnew was the starter. They had to bring a punter over to BQB, played high school quarterback. And then uh, Ryan Lindley, probably the most famous and best quarterback ever. Is that correct, do you think, ever to be at San Diego State? Uh, Off the top of my head, maybe. NFL QBs? I don't know how many NFL quarterbacks they've had, even though he's currently in the CFL. I feel like we're forgetting someone really significant, and people are screaming at their radios right now. I'll, I'll look it up as we go. <laughs> but they brought in him, and Alabama did this during the season. They did it for the national title week to uh, mimic Deshaun Watson. And it's allowed in the rule book, so why not do it? Right? It's, it's worth noting that it didn't work for them. <laughs> It did not. They lost. They did. Uh, really quick, I'm looking right now. I think San Diego State. Oh, dang it. I had the wrong page. I thought I found it here because I found the best name ever. I'm <laughs> looking through. I'm like, oh, there's a guy in the NFL. Oh, he did go in the NFL. Okay. Oh, wait, wrong. No, he did not. Sorry. This is a San Diego State quarterback, 6'1", 205, from 1976 to 1977. Not an NFL guy. Name Bill Donkers. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that is a name, Bill Tonkers. I just had to pull him up because uh, I had to see. But as for quarterbacks, they have Don McGuire. Okay, he's probably the one. They actually had two first-round picks, quarterbacks. I did not know that. Dan McGuire and then uh, Don Horn back in the uh, 70s and McGuire in the 90s. So there's that. They had a uh, Matt Kofer, second-round pick. Uh, where Lindley's at the bottom. So I guess uh, – those are names. If you're yelling at us, I did find some of the names. So there you go. Yeah. He is, so let's let's rephrase it. So Lindley is at least among maybe the top handful of quarterbacks in Aztecs history. Yeah, he was a six round pick. So yeah, that's it's very good. So plus he's in the age range where he's able to come back and participate. Not an older. He's not Dennis Shaw who played in the, with the Buffalo Bills and was the 30th pick in 1975. Yeah. Or whatever year it was, yeah, 1970, whatever year he was drafted, 1975. So he came in to run some reps. He is basically backup to help out because it's it's a good thing. If you get this type of guy to come to your school and help out, it's not a bad thing because it's better experience, uh, helps out the program. So our, our idea was to go in and choose alumni from each school to who would you like to come and help out. So if you're on Twitter – tweet us or add us at MWC Connection if you like it or not like it. We will pro- we'll put the list in the podcast. Maybe we won't because we want people to listen. We'll see, but 
we decided to go through a list of uh, alumni and hey, who would you like to come back and why? So where do we want to start? Uh, should we just go alphabetical order? Because that's how I think we should go. All right, let's start with Air Force then. Who do you got? I think it's a no-brainer. Who's that? Chad Hall. Really? Chad Hall. Are you familiar with Chad Hall? I am familiar with Chad Hall. Religious or not, he is in the Mountain West, uh, back with uh, Utah, BYU, and all sorts. He was basically, uh, I think he's technically a Z-bat receiver. He was He's probably the most versatile guy in Air Force history. Maybe. I could be, I could be overstating, which is probably correct. But he, besides going to the NFL, technically he was a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. But he played running back. He returned kicks. He returned punts. He was on the sweeps, jet sweeps. He was basically everything, and he... I believe he also won Mountain West uh, Player of the Year one year. He most recently um, was on the practice squad of the Jacksonville Jaguars back in 04. Yeah, he was Offensive Player of the Year 07. And he actually also took time off because he had to go to do his service with the academy. He couldn't sign right or couldn't play right away. Yeah. But what he did, like, he – I don't know if this is the current record or not, but 200 – I think this is still the record. 275 yards rushing against Army back in 07. Caught three passes, returned three punts for 39 yards. He's basically an all-purpose machine. That's good. I mean, that's a fair argument. I'm just, I was very surprised that you considered it a no-brainer, though. Well, who are you going with, then? Who do you got? Who am I missing? Because I'm trying to think about, what I try to do just generally is I try to think about the kind of the team as constructed, where they might need the most help. Ah, that's probably better than my pick because they're not doing that. Can get it? Well, I'm not to say that the, you know getting help from an experienced running back isn't going to help a team that's like absolutely stacked at running back. You know what I mean? But I was trying to think of you know what might benefit the Falcons, you know, going into 2017, and I thought that bringing back Tim Jefferson might have been a better fit because. I'm thinking. I was thinking about Arian Worthman and how explosive he was as a runner, for the most part. But you know, part of what makes Air Force successful is when you're able to, you know, not only make big plays on the ground but also connect through the air sometimes too. And when you go back and look at how he was as a passer last year, there was a lot of promise, obviously, but there were some concerns that I think that an experienced hand like Jefferson could really iron out because you know on on the plus side he had a 59% completion percentage which was way better than what Nate Romine had put together you know he averaged 11 yards per attempt that's also better than Nate Romine managed but he was sacked on over 15% of his dropbacks and I think that that's probably just a little bit too high. And while obviously passing is never going to be the focal point of this offense, being able to know kind of when to break out and make use of the legs like Worthman was able to a lot last year, just being able to refine that decision-making, I think, is going to make a really big difference for how successful Air Force is next year. For sure. there. Yeah, that's a great, excellent point to have a, to fit within the scheme. I just want Chad Hall because he's freaking amazing from watching him play and everything. But getting a quarterback that's newish, because Worthman did play a little bit this past year, and that to get them going. Another guy I could bring up as well some honorable mention, he played for my favorite NFL team, Dallas Cowboys, Chad Hennings. Spent a de- nearly a decade NFL, won a couple of Super Bowls, started 72 games, played in 119 games. 
That's fair. So it's a pretty big deal. I had yeah, so that's I had twenty eight career sacks, almost twenty seven and a half. So some excellent choices there. It's your or why not bring back Quest and Stillhammer because he's they need help with the secondary this year. <laughs> Maybe they can give him a fake name and find another year of eligibility somewhere. John Smith, Sestin, Sestin Wheelhammer. <laughs> that's the, that should be the name of our episode. Sestin Wheelhammer. That <laughs> that's perfect. All right, next, let's move on. Next team. So we got Boise State. There's quite a few to choose from this team. So where'd you go? Uh, I'm still deciding because a couple things. They have um, it doesn't have to be NFL success. You could bring back college success because. I, if we if we go by your logic, I might want to bring back um, Jay Ajayi because if you look at the running back history, you have Doug Martin done well, Jay Ajayi, Jeremy McNichols. Bring back a running back to help out uh, what they're going to have next year because it's a new guy. But you could also Dante, um, Dante Dion with the Giants doing quite well at the secondary. Mm-hmm. Or you can go Kellen Moore back with the Cowboys. Of course. And, but, but then again, you have Brett Rippon. Do you really need him to come in and do that position? Tell me who you went with first. Okay, so I was I was thinking along the lines of what you were mentioned. Like you mentioned Dante Dion, but I thought of Kyle Wilson as a guy who had a lot of success at Boise State. Maybe has been a little bit hit or miss on the NFL level, but you know, thinking about what Boise State might be losing in the secondary. Obviously, you know, Tyler Horton comes back, and I think that you know, if Wilson were there for as you know, kind of that you know, ball hawking presence or to maybe give him some tips as to how to kind of raise his game even more from where it was, you know, a year ago, you know, having Wilson around to kind of mentor Horton in particular would be really useful. But the fact that they're losing other guys, like what, there are three other starters in the secondary because Chancellor James is gone. Dylan Sumner Gardner is gone. Jonathan Moxie is gone. And the guys behind them are going to be, you know they're going to be tested one way or another so i think being able to have that kind of mentor in the secondary in particular would be really helpful for them also probably i probably should have meant to say darian thompson not dante dion but either would do good jobs because i sorry i thought dion was still i I'm not, he didn't get drafted under darian thomas's i think actually i think i'd go darian thompson because he rookie goes in and starts right away right away for the giants that makes sense to me I'm looking at who got drafted. Like, yeah, Kamel Korea didn't do much. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, he's not a good pro stuff. What's going on right now with him? Uh, actually, you can go Matt Paradise, maybe offensive lineman, for what he did with the Denver. Came in right away, do uh, some pretty good things. Is the offensive lineman need or center that big a deal? Maybe that they're needing. I mean, they're going to be losing. They're going to be losing three seniors off the off, off the offensive line too. Uh, Yaku's gone. Stephen Baggett's gone. Travis Averill's gone. tough pick because Boise has quite a few famous alumni who've been drafted. Like, they got three players drafted last year. They've had seven since 14. So, I, I think I'll go, I think actually, if we go by need, because that's a good point you brought up, I'd go Darian Thompson. Alright. Who's your choice? Is it Dante Dion? I, Kyle or Wilson. No. Sorry, Kyle Wilson. So, a couple secondary guys, that'd be helpful. I still like the running back spot, just because with Ajayi, Doug Martin, as well, What maybe, just because Heck, they've been there. They've successed the NFL. So Colorado State. Should I just go with my favorite Rams player ever and just say it's a Bradley Van Pelt? <laughs> Why not? 
there could be a quarterback controversy again because uh, Rams have, will do. I, I guess technically we're doing a little bit of spring. Colin Hill is participating or can participate in seven on seven after that torn ACL. He won't be doing any full contact stuff, but he's throwing and doing skeleton work. So him and Nick Stevens, you get Bradley Van Pelt bringing the. Um, he can teach you how to throw the football off a Colorado Buffalo player if he scores a touchdown. <laughs> okay, so I have a question for you. Yes. Is it sacrilege to say that Bradley Van Pelt was overrated? No, I think he's um he's the character. I, I I clearly state he I I believe he's the they based a player from Remember the Titans on him, <laughs> the guy from California. Because <laughs> I'm thinking I'm thinking like I, and I'm I'm I went to SportsReference.com because he was actually the first person I thought of too. And if you sort at SportsReference.com by yards per attempt among the Mountain West quarterbacks who've had. I think the minimum is at least 700 attempts. So if you sort by yards per attempt and look at all of the quarterbacks who averaged at least seven yards per attempt, he has the worst quarterback completion percentage of all of them. <laughs> like he's oh, at 54.5%. And he has the fewest touchdowns out of all of them, aside from Casey, or excuse me, not Casey Bramlett, Corey Bramlett at Wyoming. Like, yeah, he won some games, but in retrospect, maybe he was, you know, average Gritty. masquerading as good. I don't know. But here's the thing. He also ran. He also rushed as well. He, like his senior year last year. Okay, yeah. Had, here's the thing, too, where 25 rushing touchdowns in his career. He In his final year, he 909 yards rushing. He had, for here's his career numbers, rushing 2,274. Two, rushing yards 5.4 yard average 25 tds so because they ran sort of an option style with the end of sonny lubick's career there with him at quarterback he wasn't but also look at a senior man 60 percent passing that's a pretty big uptick yeah i don't know but 13 picks is quite a bit as well for him yeah i mean i don't know i mean you can take bradley van pelt uh who did i go with so i don't know, I don't know if i will i don't know if i am though See, I don't know if it's quite reasonable because he's coming up on the NFL level and maybe would not be available for this kind of hypothetical exercise. But I went back to Weston, Weston Richburg as a guy who can come in and kind of mentor, you know, a line that's alternately going to be very experienced with, you know, two, maybe three seniors coming back, but also going to be losing a couple of key guys in Fred Zerblis and Nick Callender. I could see um, that's a good pick as well. You could go with um, or Ty Sambarillo, the offensive lineman with the Broncos. Yeah. How about that line? You mentioned Richburg with the Giants now. There's also why not go uh, Capri Bibbs? I thought about that. I, I just he, I was trying to think of it like you know we know Colorado State likes to run the ball and they were a little bit inconsistent in their ability to do that last year obviously they came on strong very late in 2016 so i think kind of having that presence you know maybe that's the thing that helps them you know get to that get back to that level a little bit sooner this time around or you could go um linebacker needs to i know shaka barrett wasn't drafted he's a recent guy but he's somebody that does pretty good things ah i would say for who would help them the most because the running, like I said, the running game set. You got um, Marvin, jeez, oh, is it McKinsey? I always get it wrong. Kinsey, Marvin Kinsey. He's kind of back in practice. 
I could see bringing a running back back just because um, we're also missing um, Mike Bell. That's a long time ago. Yeah. It was a defensive end. <sighs> Here's the thing. With the way Van Pelt played, you probably don't want him back at quarterback. But with Bobo, who likes throwing the ball, why not bring a successful offense lineman back and go and go with Ty Samburillo, Samburillo as the guy to bring back to show the offensive line what needs to be done to get to the NFL and to bring things back. Or not bring it back, but just help a solid running game. Works for me. Excellent choices. So next on the list, as we're going alphabetical order, um, you're all mama. Well, soon. Well, whatever. You go to Fresno State. I started to say if you graduated, but you have at some point. Well, I, gra- I graduated with an undergraduate degree. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, you've already had at least one degree. Yeah. So is it too simple just to say David Carr or Derek Carr? Yes and no. Is that, is that the cop out answer? But with the quarterback situation, that's probably exactly who you'd want. No, but you know what's more pressing than the quarterback situation? Uh-oh. The offensive line situation. It is. And that is why I went with Logan Mankins. That's a good one. Logan Man- What year was he at Fresno State? Uh, well, he was there during the Pat Hill era. Uh, like kind of the, in like about a decade ago at this point. But, Lawrence O'Neill played fullback for them, correct? Uh, yes, yes, he did. Okay. And I mean, offensive line's a big deal. Yeah. And I mean, I've I've talked at length in multiple articles over the last what four or five months about how abysmal the Fresno State offensive line was last year, and they've done a lot, or they've tried to do a lot to kind of reestablish quote unquote tradition around here. And I feel like Mankins, more than either of the Carr brothers, really kind of embodies that, you know, Valley kid who came through the program and basically kind of built himself into one of the best guards to ever play in the game. Just, you know, from basically walking onto the team as, you know, kind of a nobody almost, um, because he wasn't very highly recruited. He came from... I remember where somewhere up in the foothills but he's a hall of fame guy and i feel like for as lousy as the offensive line was last year you know having a presence like that in in spring camp would make a huge difference i'm actually gonna go one step further okay trent dilfer oh man (laughs) well here's come on hear me out okay hear me out for this he's part of the not for what he does, but he's part of the lead 11 stuff. And he actually coaches guys all the time. And so that's kind of where I would say he can make a good pick for me because he technically is a coach at the moment. And not that that should give him an edge no matter what, but he's been in the NFL. He's been around. And I think that's, I, I don't think that's out of the question. Whatever you, I apparently don't like Trent Dilfer very much, but with him actually being a coach at that younger kids, that's a pretty good thing to have. And also, quarterback situations a mess at Fresno yeah I mean I can't ignore that I just you know I feel like if you're going to bring back a quarterback you might as well bring back Tommy Brandstater or something like that <laughs> well that's my pick I'm going with Trent Dilfer come on right. there's a lot of there's there's a lot of good choices like you have Ryan Matthews I mentioned Lorenzo O'Neal you have guys like Don uh, Devontae David or Devontae Adams excuse me Playing with the Packers, doing some decent things there. Well, you know, they actually yeah, they actually guys. did bring back a former Bulldog, I believe, as a as some kind of coach. Um, I'm trying to think of what his official title is, but Travis Brown is back in the fold as on the coaching staff. That could be good. Could be. We'll Always see. good to have former players come back. So 
So since we're speaking of Fresnos, do we discuss the incentives that uh, um, Jeff Tetford is eligible to receive? We can we can hit the pause button on on our alumni game for a little bit. Let's do that. So we already know. Here's what's ridiculous about it. He's already going to be the highest paid coach coming in to the conference. Yes. Which is what one point five million, I believe. Is that correct? Uh, one point five eight million in base salary. Oh, exactly. Get that third digit in there, man. Science nerds love that. <laughs> but. First off, we already know that's ridiculous. Second, his incentives are... I added up... He's not going to reach most of these because they're pretty absurd. If he were to somehow reach every incentive on there, he would make over $3 million per season. Yeah, I mean, we can maybe link to the column that, you know, the Fresno Bees' Merrick Warzowski put together. But you can... And you can also find a link to the actual language of the contract in that particular article. I mean, I don't want to say it's totally outlandish that he's going to reach the <laughs> marks, but I mean, look. Okay, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. He can make, yeah. if he goes to the worst Mountain West Bowl game, he gets six-figure bonus. Yes. Come on. Oh, I know. I'm just saying, you can't say it's somewhat reasonable for some of this. No, 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 I'm just saying, like, you know, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, for instance, that... You know, he gets the team to a 2.6 cumulative GPA. That's like basically nothing. And he gets $75,000 for doing that. Or, you know, getting to six wins, he gets $100,000 for that. And I'll just kind of, I'll I'll echo what Merrick says, because he put together kind of a scenario, kind of laying out what the contract could look like with all the bonuses and stuff like that. So... He's let's say you know not this year but next year. So 2018, he goes eight and five. That's fine, right? That'd be great for them. Or actually, okay, here's here's what Merrick says. So he gets to seven wins in 2018. They win the division. They lose the Mountain West Championship game, but they get a win in the Hawaii Bowl. Guess how much that's worth? What's that half a million dollars about? Altogether. It's two point four five million. Oh, total. So that's nine hundred thousand above his base. So that's with base, plus eight hundred and seventy thousand dollars in bonuses, assuming that APR stays the same, GPA stays the same, and graduation rate stays the same. I see that. Does he include um, attendance clause in that part as well? I'm assuming. No. That's another. What is that? Another fifty, thirty-five, thirty-five thousand. I think. Here, so here's here's what Merrick says. If the paid attendance gets back up to 2015 levels, he gets $200,000 for that. It's really absurd. (laughs) Well, no, I'm okay. We know who's behind this hire to boosters and Bartko because he's in love with Tetford. Yeah, I mean, they keep saying, they keep saying, oh, we couldn't afford to compile an upcomer. Yeah, you could. Let's be real. You just didn't want to. And you paid for the news for it. Yeah. Here's a better example. Well, not a better example. There's another example within the same article. He compares Alabama to Fresno State. Mm-hmm. If Nick Saban wins the Southeastern Conference, or excuse me, Southeastern Conference Division and plays for the title game, he gets seventy five thousand dollars. Whereas um, Tedford would double that hundred fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. If uh, the Crimson Tide win the title, increase bonus increases fifty thousand to one twenty five. Whereas uh, it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars if 
Tedford were to win the Mountain West. I know Saban's base is ridiculously huge, about what eight million or so. Yeah, <laughs> but these bonuses, like, it's like funny money. Coach of the year, Saban gets twenty five k. Tedford gets fifty. That's whatever. That's fine. I can assure, I can assure you that money is very real. <laughs> who who? Okay, but I know I know your I already know your answer is gonna what's gonna come up next. But where's this money coming from? Who? Is paying for this if he re- reaches um, a couple of incentives. It better not be me. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. You, you, but you, but you know it is. It's already you. Well, I'm hopefully I'll be graduating by the time they have to shell out this particular kind of money. Are that good? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's just you know, it's really absurd, and it it's it kind of reminds me of what I wrote when they made the hire and when they announced the base salary that, you know. Basically, anything less at this point, now that I know what this structure looks like, anything less than getting to a New Year's Day bowl in the next five years is a failure. Yeah. Like, that's that's where the standard is now. They need to get there. Otherwise, they're paying way too much. Yeah, it's a, um, he gets 100,000 bonus for six wins, 50K for every step up to 10 wins I'm assuming does it go to 11 12 that increase uh, the increase for wins let me scroll back up real quick uh, the in at 11 or above wins you get he gets four hundred thousand dollars for that Whew. so that's 150 for seven 200 for eight 250 for nine okay I see how that's going but wasn't there also maybe I missed it because it's quite a, it's kind of spread out here what was it a hundred thousand to go to a bowl game? Correct. Yeah, hundred thousand to go to a bowl game and two thousand two hundred if they win, right? Uh, yes. This, I'm sorry, but this is gonna smack them in the face. I they cannot, like you just said, they cannot tell with a straight face, you, me, or anybody listening, that they didn't have the money to hire, not just an up up and coming coach, a coach that's a decent coach to come for that money. Mm-hmm. What is you could have. Whatever you think of Lane Kiffin, I'd rather have him over. I'd rather pay that, that type of money to him than Jeff Tedford. Oh no, no joke, right? <laughs> well, like I don't understand. Like I'm gonna pull up his salary now, see if I can find out. But this guy hasn't coached in a while. What he did at Cal was just okay. Then you mean nothing amazing, but I. I'm gonna call it they, right. They, they gonna, can't. I'm gonna call it right. Go now. do it. They're not gonna. They're not getting to a New Year's Eve their New Year's Day bowl game in the next five years. No, because that would be value paying him $100,000 to get to that bowl game. It's not value 100000 to go play in the Armed Forces Bowl or play in the New Mexico Bowl. Well, even just considering kind of the, the road trips that they're going to have to make in the non-conference schedule in the next five years, they've got to win these games, and I don't know that they're ever going to be good enough to go to Oregon and win or go to USC and win, or go to UCLA and win, because they're going to have to make at least one of those trips every year until the end of this contract. And that's where they're thinking the money's coming from, because they're getting paid probably a million per game, just about. Mm -hmm. Because isn't the UCLA-USC trip five for zero or six for zero, something like that? Uh, No home games in return? It's basically three trips to the Coliseum, three trips to the Rose Bowl, and no return games. That, see, that's where they're getting this money money from, and here's where I'm wondering. Here, okay, this is kind of me think outside the box. The reason why these insane numbers are in there, they know they're not going to achieve them. Some of them. Well, they better. 
What if this? But you, you, do you hear? Do you understand my thinking? Where we're gonna offer this great contract? Oh, you're gonna get rewarded if you do well. But look at your schedule. Who you're playing? Oh, by the way, if he, if he's still the coach at the end of the contract in 2021, he gets three hundred and fifty thousand dollars for that too. Just just for hanging out. It's totally stupid. Because here's the thing too. Like, let's just say he he does really well, or like like for one win last year too. Let's just say he goes six and six every year. That's a minimum six hundred thousand dollar bonus because he goes to a bowl game. No, actually, more than that because he gets a win bonus regardless, right? He gets a hundred thousand, yeah. That's one point uh, one million dollars right there. We're going to a bowl because you're going to a bowl game and you got six wins. Yeah. That's even though how bad Fresno was. That's not ter- terribly far fetched, is it? Maybe not year one, but to go six and six to get a million dollars and then add on the bonus for being the coach. And odds are he's if those GPA and APR is probably just enough to keep the team without losing sanctions or scholarships. That could be like three million, almost. I'd have to do the math. I know I'm kind of going off the top of my head, but that could be two million dollars just for being average. Yeah. And like when you consider all the bonuses, I don't know off the top of my head how they stack up against, you know, other highly paid group of five coaches, whether it's here in the Mountain West, like Mike Bobo. Well, he he dwarfs Nick Saban. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know how it even stacks up against, like, let's say Charlie Strong out in South Florida or Lane Kiffin. I'll try to look at that real quick. Like, I know that Jeff Tedford is getting paid more than all of those guys on base salary. But I don't know how big the difference gets when you start including all the other stuff too. I'm just saying, like, if they're paying two and a half million dollars for eight wins, then they're getting ripped off. Okay, here's a couple things right here. Let's go to Tom Herman. This is last year. His max bonus is at when he's at Houston, four hundred and forty-seven thousand dollars. For basically four hundred forty-seven thousand dollars. If Tedford wins a bowl game and gets. Uh, Eight wins, or no? He did to equal that. He had to get ten wins and go to a bowl game. That's four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that that doesn't include grade eligibility, that type of stuff. Uh, Tommy Tuberfield, Tuberfield, half a million dollar bonus. Uh, Mike Norvell, half a million dollar bonus. Willie Taggart, who is no longer at South Florida, his max bonus was nine hundred thousand dollars. ECU coach, eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. So, but within the Mountain West, really quick, uh, Tim Drew, they did the same thing with Tim Drew. His max bonus per year was one point six eight five million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of where they're staying at. Like uh, Craig Wolf, three hundred k, Brian Harson, four hundred k, Bobo, six eighty five, seven thirty for Matt Wells, quarter mil for uh, Polian, but Nick Rolovich, one point two five, one point two million. So. I get bonuses are there to hopefully keep good coaches if you do well, but these numbers seem just it's just ridiculous. I don't know what else there is to say. Yeah, I'm I'm basically doubling down on what I wrote in November when they announced the salary to begin with. If they don't get to a New Year's Day game, it's the dumbest coaching move in conference history. I'm just going to say that again. You said that, and I don't care if people at Fresno got mad at you. It's correct. Mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin's salary. This is according to Brett McMurphy back when he got hired. Average, which means it's probably less early on, obviously. $1.0 million per year. They got a bargain. 
You're telling me you couldn't get Kiffin to come for I, if they paid Kiffin one point five, I'd be fine with it. Because mm-hmm. that because at Alabama there's a big deal. He takes a pay cut, which he did one point four at Alabama to be their OC. They there's no truth. You can't tell me like you said straight face that they didn't have the money to go after even freaking Major Applewhite to be their coach or something. You know what I mean? Picking whoever they wanted to, trying to get somebody from. I forget who all the candidates we went through mentioned. You had a big list, but you're telling me that 1.5 million could have been spent best elsewhere. Well, I mean, more connected people than I have said that Tedford was the guy as far back as 2015. Oh yeah, yeah. So he was quoted in the press conference when Jeff, when Bartko was introduced as the AD. And I mean, all I can really say about it now is that you know, I want, you I want Jeff Tedford's agent to like get me my first book deal. Yeah, because I want that. I want Tedford money when I get published. Hey, it's probably the same as Jeff Jeff Bard goes. Yeah, so, so <laughs> call me whoever you are out there. Anyway, let's move on. Let's get back to some more to- happy topics because that just irritates me that they lie and say, "Oh, we had no money for it. We couldn't do it." All right, Hawaii. Hawaii. We need to Hawaii. How far? How long has this show gone? Because we've been talking for a Hawaii. Is it? Should we go Timmy Chang and move on? <laughs> Why? Well, okay. Are you? Did you? Are you saying Timmy Chang? They have quarterback. They've had quarterback issues for a while, so that makes a sense. See, I said Samson Satelli for a lot of the same reason that I said Weston Richburg. Like, I feel like why uh, Hawaii is going to have a really interesting mix of experienced guys, battle-tested guys, and a couple of newcomers on the offensive line. And you know, they're. I don't think they're going to have that three-headed attack coming back, but if they can shore up kind of the guys that they're losing, like Leo Koloa Matangi, um, I think I said that correctly. <laughs> um, like, if, they, if basically if they can replace the right side of their line, like they're hoping they can, you know, the experience that they have on the left side of the line and, and a, kind of a veteran hand like Satelli could make a huge difference, even if they aren't going to be bringing back Stephen Lakalaka or Paul Harris. That's a good point. I could go Cole, Brett, Cole Brennan, go quarterback. Yeah, well, that's fair. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think QB's an issue because it's going to be uh, Drew Brown again, mm-hmm. obviously, as a quarterback. And he's done well. I, I He probably could learn to throw a bit better because it, they're going to be good. Because here's a couple of things to consider as well. Bringing a guy back for practice. I know we mentioned offensive line, defensive guys. Bringing back an offensive lineman, great, helps out with things. I'm not saying they're not invaluable, but because if you have a good defensive offensive, excuse me, offensive line, you can have an average running back look amazing if you if your front five is really good blocking and taking care of the linemen and linebackers. Yeah. So that's if you go that way, I'd go quarterback just because to help Drew Brown, he can help a little bit with the line, kind of give the center direction of what to look out for. I'd I'd go with probably Colt. I'd go with Timmy Chang because Colt Brennan has some issues I don't really care to talk about. So I'd go to Timmy Chang because <laughs> at one point he was the NCAA leader in passing yards. So I think quarterback's a big deal because why not teach Drew Brown to uh, throw the ball downfield and not always have to rely on moving his feet? That's fair. All right, let's move on because we're almost to an hour. Um, Nevada. The next, or Nevada. Um, there's, I like Brock Hecking a lot. Mm. Just for his mole to be back on campus, flowing around. Great minds think alike. That's what I said too. They are going to a di- different offense a little bit because easy choice bring back Colin Kaepernick for what he did. But if they're still doing pistol, but a lot of different item option offenses a little bit. They're doing option going downfield, 
he may not be the best guy to come back just because the offense has changed just enough where he would still be an asset, of course, but for going by what would be the most helpful, I don't know if he would just because of what he did at college at Nevada compared to what they're doing now. Well, I mean, I said hecking just because, you know, they. I feel like they have talent along the defensive line, like especially a guy like Malik Reed who – you know, had his moments last year, but on the whole, that line was rough last year. <laughs> um, by a, you know a lot of the traditional and the advanced method. You can run at will. And so I feel, but I feel like in particular, like if they want Malik Reed to be the next Brock Hecking, why not bring the original back to be able to mentor him? Because I think that you know, in the few games that I watched of Nevada last year, that Reed has that potential. You can bring him, or you have like Dante Mock, who was uh, drafted a couple years ago with the Bengals right now. Defensive line, they're looking at a few um, recent guys who aren't drafted like in the 50s. Yeah. But you go linebackers, yeah, you got Hecky, and you also have guys like uh, who else is recent there? Kalen Burnett, not in NFL, but decent player with them. There's some plenty of guys. That's a good pick, too, because that's probably overall it's probably the most beneficial just because. And I'll go with Hecky as well because it makes the most sense. Their defense, you can run however you wanted to against that team. Yeah. Uh, you could maybe make the argument for Duke Williams in secondary, but they'll be fine with who they have back there. It's just a defensive line. they got to have somebody stop the running game. Mm-hmm. Anybody. Give me someone. I don't know who it would be. Just stop. Put a body. Give me a big body to do something. <laughs> just show them how to be big. Go even, even go with Jorge Cordova with the Jaguar. Or, excuse me, Seahawks. Or, excuse me, Jaguar. Sorry. Picked up by them in a third-round pick about a decade ago. Have him come back to do something. But I'd say any elite defensive – Lineman, linebacker, defensive end, but let's just go with Brock Hecking. Or there is um, oh, it's a tight end. Sorry, that's the wrong person I'm looking at. I thought it said the end. <laughs> Brock Hecking, it is. All right. I know we're flying through these. Next one, no brainer. New Mexico, Brian Urlacher. I don't care what you tell me. Okay, yeah. He will but... show a linebacker. He will. He will show a linebacker how to punt return at an elite level. <laughs> Can we also give a shout out to someone like Carmen Messina though, too? Always, yes. Because, you know, maybe he's not Hall of Fame caliber like, uh, <laughs> like you know, Brian Urlacher was. But for a couple of years earlier in the decade, Carmen Messina was pretty good in his own right. And I think both of those guys really speak to the fact that for, for all intents and purposes, New Mexico is kind of starting over on every part of their defense. Like they lose... You know, the big stars like Dakota Cox, Nick Diavonzo, both those guys are gone. Um, like, they do get Kimmy Carson and Jaden Boatwright back, which are two positives. But, you know, any help that they can get, I think especially in the front seven, is going to be really critical for them. And that's why I feel like guys awesome. like either Urlacher or Messina would be really big helps. Dakota Cox is gone as well. Yeah. Um, I also, you could go quarterback, but I'm looking, I don't know a quarterback they had that's good. Sorry, New Mexico fans. <laughs> I'm just saying. They did have two quarterbacks drafted. Sto- maybe Stoney Case. He was a third-round pick for the Cardinals, played from 95 to 2000. That I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll let you go defense. I'll go I, – I like Erlacher. That's clearly the obvious choice. But a quarterback like Stoney, Stoney Case because not for his running ability, clearly, but Lobo's got to pass at some level be okay passing the ball. Be a threat to pass the ball. Air Force is a threat to pass the ball at times. New Mexico never is. They, I say bring in a quarterback like Case to be able to help them throw better. Because if you want improvement, your defensive art, 
positions valid, very valid argument. Quarterback, they whoever they have in there can move the ball very well. They got to throw the ball. That's fair. I think that that would help them out quite a bit. All right. Aztecs doing anything else besides you can bring back Marshall Falk always. We already mentioned Ryan Lindley as the actual player who came back. Can I throw Kirk Morrison into there too? Of course, Kirk Morrison. He's a pretty good guy. Yeah. But he's another, a linebacker. Defensive say, player of the year. Exactly. You can have Demonte Casey roll back in for a spring semester. Yeah, why not? All right, so we got San Jose State. Um, you got David Fells, maybe uh, Tyler Irvin. Um, who else would you consider bringing back for what they need? Because they need a lot of help, I think. Okay, so I chose Travis Johnson, who, okay. you know, for a couple of years, right near the end of the Western Athletic Conference era, was very quietly a very good defender. And he was actually the WAC's last defensive player of the year back in 2012. And so I think that, you know, the fact that we talk, we've talked for years about how they've struggled a lot on defense, especially when it comes to rush, especially when it comes to, you know, stopping the run. You know, this is another area of the team where, like I said, with uh, with Nevada, I think that there's talent there. But, you know, they're going to have to replace a couple of really key guys like Isaiah Irving and Nick Oreglia. But the guys they have coming back, you know, Owen Roberts, I think, can be an impact player. Bryson Bridges, I definitely think, can be an impact player. But I think, you know, having an influence like Johnson could be, you know, a huge benefit for them. Yeah, if you're going that route for need, I would, I'll go with David Fells because QB's in need as well. I know I'm going, I'm taking easy positions here. But, or I could, um, I mentioned Taylor Urban, but they should be okay. Rush defense is huge, but why not a quarterback who could help them out to pass the ball a little bit? That's reasonable. And that's a pretty simple one. Or another guy, um, Benet Benwickery. Secondary's always been good for them. I don't know why the Panthers waved him recently, but he was a uh, fifth round pick. Uh, Secondary, you can have plenty. You can basically pick who you want secondary, but it's always good. So I think I'd go with uh, David Fells because with who they've had to play in the quarterback the past couple years. Since he's been gone, hasn't been ideal. And hey, if you have a good quarterback, they can make up for a lot of uh, inefficiencies in other areas. Works for me. Moving on to UNLV. Um, can we do a mulligan on the Rebels? No, we can't. <laughs> I think we got to get. I mean, and I feel like among the guys that I came up with, UNLV might be kind of like the deepest cut. But you know, I went back to Bo Bell who, if you remember, about yeah. a decade ago now, he was the Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year for the Rebels. Him and Eric Wright was it was pretty solid as well about the uh, same time frame, the DB. And I feel like, you know, UNLV's linebackers coming into this year are going to be kind of like UNLV's wide receivers last year, where they're going to be you know, super young, potentially talented, and super inexperienced because they lose guys like Taolo Tulale and Ryan McAleenan. You know, those are two big losses. And having a guy like Bell around, again, I just think it would be the best fit for this particular exercise. You want a deep cut? Okay. Icky Ooh, Woods. okay. <laughs> I'm going through some names. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, his NFL career wasn't amazing. His rookie year where he blew up 15 rushing TDs. After that, sorry, he didn't, or he didn't do much of anything else. But the running back is an issue. I know because 
there was stuff last year where they didn't run the ball very well. They do have a new running backs coach again. And isn't uh, Lexington Thomas expected to be the guy this year, I think? Uh, him and Charles Williams. Charles Williams, yeah. So why not have Icky? I know Icky Woods played in the early 90s, late 80s, but you don't have to be five to ten years removed to be a player to help out or coach. So bring back Icky Woods to help that running game because since Tim Cornette left, they haven't, haven't had a really good running game. You know, if Keenan McCardle wasn't already, like, a position coach somewhere, I probably yeah. would have said him. But also with him, the wide receiving group should be okay this year. Well, again, like, they 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 have a lot of talent, but they were kind of injury-prone and I think still on the whole are pretty inexperienced. But, you yeah. know, I, I felt like that would have been cheating if, you know, because he's already the wide receivers coach for the Jaguars. Yeah, <laughs> Eh, sort of, but hey, we can, can we get him on loan for a month? We could always ask. Do a good old EPL World Soccer. Hey, you never know. All right, I think Utah State might be the deepest of cuts, more than you. Okay. Because Utah State was um, whatever the bottom number of FBS teams were, whether it's now 128, 115, 125, mm-hmm. they were typically in the 110 section. Every year, there were years where they would go out and play road guarantee games. Even for those who don't know, Utah State tried to go independent for a couple years in football, mm-hmm. where they would be playing at Texas, at Auburn, at USC. Wouldn't have a home game till middle of October, just to have their program scraped by. Then comes in Gary Anderson and uh, everybody's favorite quarterback Chucky Keaton to lead the way. Um, I don't know. You could say Chucky Keaton. That's pretty simple. You got Nick Vigil. You had a couple of good guys, but who who did you go with them? I went Robert Turbin. That's a good one. Oh, they got yeah Turbin, Billy Wagner. Those are a couple of guys that are pretty good. And I felt like you know with the you know talent coming back on the offensive side of the ball, the big question mark. And I think we'll talk more about this when we start getting into team previews later in the summer and stuff like that. But I think that you know having the opportunity to run the ball to be efficient in that regard is going to be really important for the Aggies because you know Tony Lindsay's going to be the guy, but do we know that he's going to be yeah. consistent enough? That's a good question. My pick—that's very good running back. I go on the opposite side, Bobby Wagner. Okay. Who, um, if I'm correct, didn't he uh, lead the NFL last year in tackles? Uh, if. If he wasn't, if he didn't, he was probably very close because he seems to be everywhere on the field. I don't know if he did, but in 2012, his rookie year, 140 tackles in the NFL as a rookie. Pretty good. So with their, with the team still recovering, because it's probably the last time I'll ever say it, this past year they had to replace the entire linebacking group that is in the NFL at the moment, or had shots in the NFL. That's still a young position, so bring back him, guy who – in his career, four in, in Utah State, four hundred and forty-five tackles. It's not bad. Not bad. So I would go with him to help that defense. He's a second-round pick, three-time Pro Bowler. Why not? Yeah. Oh, that's twenty fifteen numbers. I don't have twenty sixteen in front of me. Wikipedia, <laughs> where are you updating? Yet? Well, let's not forget. But you. still, his rookie year, one forty. Let's on. just remind the Utah State fans again, if the you know if they feel the blood pressure rising, let's not forget. They were also a little bit unlucky last year. But I think you're right about Wagner. Parker, relax. Wagner Parker, relax. Yeah. 
but yeah, Wagner coming back, that would be a pretty big deal. And so I think both, the, I think those are two biggest positions of needs for some addition, additional help. All right. Finally, yeah. the Wyoming Cowboys. Who you got? Craig, Craig Bowling was the head coach last year. Uh, I would say quarterback, but I don't need to. And I've always been cheated by saying that every time <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I could say Brett Smith, they got Josh Allen. Um, this is one of the teams I, this is my last team research. I'm trying to think who it was. I would say the addition they would need to come back, maybe wide receiver, maybe actually maybe some defense. There's a guy who has a good name here, Patrick Chukawara. Chukawara, mm-hmm. I believe. He was taken by the Vikings as a fifth-round linebacker. I know they got, um, oh, shoot, freshman of the year linebacker, um, not Kevin Logan. What? Kevin Wilson? Kevin Logan? Logan Kyle Wilson. Logan? Logan Wilson. I got there eventually. They do have him. I was <laughs> close. Kevin Wilson, for, former Indiana head coach. They do have that, but uh, secondary is kind of young, but they have, do have the former freshman All-American. Um, I, I'm trying to think what would be better. Because uh, wide receiver, they bring back talents. They lose Brian Hill running back, but they haven't really had a great running back ever. Really? Unless I'm missing somebody? Uh, I should have done more research. I guess I could go... If I go running back... These are some old guys, man. <laughs> go Ryan Christensen, maybe? Picked by the Jaguars? Oh, man. Jerry Hill back in the 60s? <laughs> Is he still alive? You're, boy, you're reaching way back, aren't you? Why are we, I think why is the deepest of cuts here. Am I correct on that? Or am I missing something obvious? I'm going to go back. I, I went back to the very first thing you said, because the very th- first thing you mentioned was wide receiver. And, yeah. you know, while they do have CJ Johnson coming back, they are going to. Whoa, 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 hold on. Jay Dovichak. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about him. Tight end. He's a wide receiver, essentially. There we go. That's my Okay. Pick. All right. I forgot about him. He played for the Cowboys forever. I should know that. So, so I went with wide receiver um, because. You know, they do get C.J. Johnson back, which is going to be a plus, but they are going to miss Jake Mulhart and Tanner Gentry. And I feel like bringing back a guy like Robert Heron could be a huge boost for a unit that's probably going to be really young. Because, you know, we know C.J. Johnson can play. You know, Austin Conway had flashes off and on last year, but the guys behind him are, you know, more or less question marks. Like James Price might be pretty good but we don't know um they have a lot of you know sophomores who are going to be juniors who could step into the rotation like you know joseph parker for one Mm -hmm. so i feel like you know heron as a guy who was an established big play threat if he can kind of help develop that big play threat that they're probably going to miss in gentry most especially that would be a huge plus I think C.J. Johnson might be able to help out. Yeah. A little bit. Okay, quick question. I'm looking at sports reference. Why is Josh Doxton listed as a Wyoming first-round pick? That. Did he get tra- did he transfer? I do not know. I'm looking through it right now. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm, I'm going through a wide receiver because I see Robert Herr and Malcolm Floyd. And then Josh Doxton. Josh Doxton. 2016-2016. Josh Redskins first-round pick. But he went to TCU. I don't know. That's weird. I'm not seeing that. You don't nope. see that? I am looking under... Hold on. Am I under anything? I'm under... Yeah, I'm under Wyoming. 
player's alumni. I don't know. Did he maybe technically get his degree somehow from there? It's like there's jokes about Ray Lewis because he went to the U of Miami. That he actually, since he's in Baltimore, got his degree from Maryland. Like, are you going to come out to the Terrapins or something like that? He's like, heck no. I went to Miami. (laughs) That... That just surprised me. Like, wait, first round pick last year. Well, he did spend a year in Wyoming, so I guess it does count. Oh, he did? He found that? Okay. I was poking around to see it. So, okay. Does he count then? (laughs) If you want him to, sure. We got no rules here. I'll say no. We didn't make any rules. No, I will go with the Jay Novacek, though, because they do need receiving help, and a tight end could help this offense. All right, then. We talked a lot of football without talking current football. That's a pretty. And we didn't go that much more of an hour. We're at an hour eight right now, so not too bad for me. It seems longer because I did a basketball show for forty five minutes earlier (laughs) with Brandon because we talked about must. So one last thing: uh, vote Team Tacos. Can you just put hashtag Team Tacos? Does that count? You can go hashtag Team Tacos. I believe thirteen times in a in a one hundred and forty character tweet. So yes, (laughs) you figured that out. So go to that, and next time I'm in your neck of the woods, um, I need to stop in Fresno and get some good Yes, tacos. you do, as does everybody else out there. Well, may, let's, let's just say not good. Let's say exception. Yes. Let me ask you this before we go, because I actually might be in San Francisco this summer. What's the drive time? Is it like two hours or so south? Uh, depending on what time of the day you leave, Obviously, it's okay. you know, two and a half, three hours, give or take. That's a long trek for tacos. Yes. Is it worth Just it? don't leave during rush hour. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, clearly. Um, no, you didn't answer my question. Is it worth yes. it? Of course it is. If I were to leave, if I were in San Francisco right now, it would take me two hours and 52 minutes. 188 miles. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know if I can pull it off <laughs> if I'm going to be in San Francisco for a reason. But I could probably, I know I can get good tacos in San Francisco, so I shouldn't be deprived of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, right? we can figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll do some. You can't ship tacos, can you? Um, I could try. Me and Eli talked about shipping pizza, and I might ship him a pizza from a place here by the University of Utah. Because, or and we talked about it as well you and me about me finding deep dish pizza apparently because I got I got the worst type ever. I mean they they ship Omaha steaks so I figure anything is possible. <laughs> that's easy. Steaks yeah, are easy. Well, I'm just saying. But whatever. That's the word we're done here. We're not gonna go back to food because we can spend another twenty minutes. Thanks for listening. Give us a review if you like the food talk. Tell us if you hate it. Tell us as well. We're having fun this off season, so that's what you're getting here. But we'll maybe I think maybe next week we'll actually talk some spring football. Is that something we should do for the folks? I think we should give the people what they want. So yes, let us know what you want. That's what Matt's saying there. If you want food talk? We can break down. What have we not talked about? That's good food. Oh man, um, <laughs> burgers. Put me know. on the spot here. We'll we'll figure it out off air. We'll figure it out. Okay. So again, mwcconnection.com. That's our website. Subscribe, review, um, give us a iTunes five star thumbs up on if our service has a thumbs up but that's it for tonight as always uh, yeah we're biased against your team but not team tacos never we're all we're we are 100 percent for sure team tacos